Hey, I'm Dennis from This Side of Anarchy, and welcome to Band to Band, my show where I let you in on my getting to know other independent bands that I support on social media and that support me in return. And we get to know each other a little better by answering five questions each. Please hit the subscribe button if you're on YouTube or listening on podcasts so you can keep up to date and enjoy this episode. Welcome to this episode of my show Band to Band. It's been about a month since the last episode. Time sure flies. It doesn't seem like it. it just seems like it's been forever. But uh, today we're here with two members of Demon Scar. Thanks a lot for doing this, guys. Really appreciate it. Anytime, man. Thanks for having us. All right. Uh, introduce yourselves for to everybody and what what instruments you play. What what uh, made you start in music? You know, what kind of other bands you've been in. Maybe something about meds and how you guys got together and how you came up with the name. Just general stock right. questions. Um, well, I'm Nizza. Uh, that was um, influenced by the Wu-Tang Clan. So years ago, when, about 25 years ago, when Wu-Tang can, uh, Clan came out, uh, I was obsessed with them. And I thought there was a Rizzer and a Jizza, so there had to be a Nizza. So... You know, I would go out with my friends and I would try to freestyle and be ridiculous. And I wasn't good at it, but I was like, yeah, I'm the Nizza. So that's how that came out, came about. And um, I play bass and I sing. And um, I know Meds. Meds is like a lifetime long friend from, you know, back in the day. Uh, we were in our first metal band together which was tangent and then life got in the way we, you know we played like you know a year year and a half and then life got in the way and we started doing other stuff other bands venturing and then 17 years later we got back together and we formed demon scar and uh that's where we're at right now you know and um we had uh two drummers previously and they kind of fell by the wayside and we were looking for a drummer, and right before the pandemic hit last year, uh, Jared uh, reached out to us off of what was it, Craigslist, dude? That was that was Twitter. Twitter just Twitter. Uh, saw it there, and I was uh, right. That was just sitting there, and uh, yeah, I had another band that was just kind of you know one guy was having a kid, you know, we always did covers, things like that, but it was you know it was a working band, and uh, I saw that you know they needed a drummer, so I was like. You know what? I reached out, Twitter DM. I think it was like a, a week later. It, was not, it wasn't even that long. Went in, sat in, we met at the rehearsal space, banged out quite a few tunes, and then we just even, just just a few just kind of went with it that day. So, and then, now that's been a year and a half ago now. So, yeah. Even, so that literally, we, we did that, and about three weeks later, everything was shut down, quarantine. So, that was basically it. So, mm-hmm. uh, that was it, you know? So, uh, yeah, from Jared. Drums and demons go. <laughs> that's it. And that he uh, uh, showed up and he did his homework. He actually put in the work before he even got there. So we commended him for that right away. Cool. We liked his attitude because we were me and him like started joking around like two insane children uh, right off the bat. Yeah, just and I liked his vibe boats. already to begin with before we even like ended practice. And uh, yeah, it was just an instant click and. Uh, just two short weeks later, I think we had three rehearsals, 
Jared had gotten an offer to play uh, Revolution in Amityville, and a band just dropped out, and it was actually the last show that Revolution hosted before closing its doors forever. Mm-hmm. And we played it, and we literally knew each other for about three rehearsals, and I'm going to say probably about five hours. Yeah. And uh, we busted it out. You know what? It sounded great. And we got a taste of what was in store. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, the pandemic hit and shut down. But Demon Scar had a um, had a, a a goal for 2020, and that was to release a single every every month. Yeah. And at the end of it, we ended up releasing every month. We kept our word. We released and finally we compiled compiled it to a uh, an album and that's uh, DSXX which came out in November and um, you know it's just I feel like the new ingredient with Jared bringing our songs to where they had to be it was it was fate that that's how it met and you know it's just how things work out man you know it's yeah so, yeah. You got to be in the right place at the right time or whatever and i feel like uh that was uh it was meant to happen so the fairy tale <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah there's a lot of bands like that they were around for a while and then they took a break for like 10 15 17 years and 20 or 20 years and then they're coming back it's just like, yeah you know what like that's what happened with us like like i said me and meds were kids man when we started mm-hmm. tangent we played two years he went off and did some other stuff, and I did too. You know, I played in this band Hollow and Death Proof, and, you know, I uh, got my uh, bass playing. You know, I kept on doing that. And originally, I was just a singer, and I uh, started playing bass, and that was like, you know, over 20 years ago. And then, like I said, you know, like uh, 2017, me and him were on a train. Uh, at that time, I was in no band, and neither was Meds. I just had a kid, you know, my, my kid was two years old right. meds. I believe his girlfriend was uh, pregnant with his first child. And, uh, we were going to see Iron Maiden and, um, I had writer's block for about a year and a half. So, uh, I had some lyrics that I had written down and I was like, yo dude, you know, here you go. I, I wrote this, I, whatever. I wasn't thinking anything of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I guess something clicked in his head and the next day he, uh, he sent me like a video, like a 15, 20 second video. Now, remember this though, like it's very key to like Demon Scar because this is how we write all our tunes now, basically. He'll send me like a 15, 30 second video of him riffing. Mm-hmm. And basically I'll put something to that. And he did that and he sent me this and he's like, yo, you think your lyrics would go with this? And I'm like, I don't know, let's check it out. Basically, that was our first signal, uh, Prey on the Prey. And that summer of 2017, we wrote our first EP basically through text messaging, just me and him. And then we recorded the EP um, and we put it out and got to a point where, like, dude, this stuff is good, man. We got to start, like, trying to play out now. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where it's been, you know, like the last, uh, it's going on almost four years. But uh, yeah. it was great, you know. Yeah. It, it needed to happen. Dallas County opposite. I I had I was going on for like twenty years with various bands and stuff, and then and then then like ninety nine happened, and, and we were just 
everything was getting rusty and the same crap, you know, playing parties and getting shut down and the old deal, you know, standard BS. We just got right. sick of it. And then, then I, I just had my second kid and my wife needed right. me home. We needed me home more. So that, that's kind of when I, all, we all hit the fan and I was just kind of like, I wanted to broaden my horizons and stuff. So I just, I kind of quit for a few years and then learned the, uh, got a digital piano and kind of mess around with the computer and the piano and stuff. And, and then I did a, did a, um, a various genres album as a, as a, I called it Gramps dot doc. Cause they called me Gramps. And the, <laughs> that was one of my nicknames. And, the, and my other, other name was doc. Cause my initials are DR. I would always initial the things DR. It's like, Hey, DR dot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I put them together and I put that out in like 2013, I think. No, 2010. Yeah, it took me like 10 years, just on and off, just writing different things. I mean, it's got classical pieces, a harpsichord piece, some synth pieces and punk pieces and rock pieces, and it's just doing. And then that's pretty cool, man. And then and then slowly, as I get got back into more writing. It just ended up being on full on punk. <laughs> it's just like, well, I'm so I, so that just just it just started coming out, you know. Right. I've got like four or five songs that are non punk right now that are kind of on the back burner and kind of there that I'm gonna release too. And I didn't like I didn't like the Gramps Doc name anymore because it was just kind of too confusing. So. That that stuff I'm releasing under today's nightmare. I kind of changed the name to that, but yeah, but flip the script, man. You know, yeah. I, I got a I got like a total blues piece and doing a, like a whole. Lead. It's all just lead, kind of like Jeff Beckish and stuff, you know, whatever. Right. Doing that, but well, that's really where rock comes from, right? The blues. Oh yeah, yeah. So you can ask your first question. Um, my influences. Well, I, you know what? Honestly, you. I think you answered kind of one of them. Um, as far as like your your biggest influences. I mean, you did say something like that of Jeff Beck. That's in there, but you know, oh yeah, but oh, see, influences, man. it's the influences. I kind of, I kind of have three stages. <laughs> I've kind of gone into three stages. At the beginning, it was like. Bachman Tuner Overdrive, ACDC, Rush, Ted Nugent, Ario, Speedwagon, Sticks, Kansas, Boston, Deep Purple, Led Zeppelin, all that kind of stuff. And then after that stage, I kind of got into more Black Sabbath, Booster Cult, Metallica, Anthrax, SOD, metalish kind of thing. Getting heavy. And then getting heavier. And then, you know, the early, early 82, 83, 84 is when I really started to get into punk. You know, Circle Jerks, Black Flag, Adolescence, Minor Threat, SNFU, No Means No, Dead Kennedys, Ramones, Exploited, GBH, Discharge. And, I mean, I've had thousands of influence. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like I could go on for like days just for bands. I can tell you well versed, man, just the way you were talking about like, you know, your previous releases and stuff and how you're uh, in different genres. So um yeah man you really can't pinpoint 
like your major influence. It has to be a mixture of stuff, you know. Yeah. Kind of yeah. like with us too. We have like all yeah. we we're influenced by so many different things and mm-hmm. music is that way, man. It's a mood. So like whether right. what what you're in the mood for. Right. Definitely. It, it, exactly. But especially like if you're a fan of music, you know, like I, I work with people and you know, they listen like they say they just listen to dance music. Like I they hear me. Next you know I'm like mm-hmm. listen to Slayer and then the monkeys right after and they think I'm nuts. I'm like, no, this is normal to me. You know? <laughs> like yeah. this is this is how yeah. it works. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Yeah. People ask me, you know, that's funny that Jared just mentioned Slayer. Like, when they ask me, who have you seen live? And it's like, I've seen everyone from Sinatra to Slayer and in between. So mm-hmm. it's just like, think about that, Sinatra to Slayer. So it's kind of right. like, mm-hmm. what is this guy talking about? You know, but that's basically it. Hip-hop country old school country i don't really like dig on that new stuff you're right uh johnny cash dude johnny cash george <laughs> jones you know oh, yeah. Willie nelson oh yeah like, that stuff is just yeah. great and like uh i wish that rick rubin could have worked with some of these guys like how he did with johnny cash because i feel like johnny cash didn't really need a great producer because that dude just had it you yeah, know, he could bring it out or whatever, but I feel Rick Rubin got even deeper into him, and he did that with Neil Diamond too. Like Neil Diamond could have like a fucking eighty-piece orchestra behind him, and like sick back, like you know, three drummers and backup singers and tambourine players and all kinds of shit. But Rick Rubin just wanted Neil Diamond and his guitar, and I feel like, dude. He got to Neil Diamond's soul and stripped him down and like got some of the most right. like personal tunes I feel that he got out of him when he they worked together. So I, like I said, you know, I wish that Rick Rubin could have like I don't know. Right. I wish there was a Rick Rubin for every era that he could have went to Willie Nelson too and got stuff from him and like you know those guys and so many other artists and stuff. I love that. I love when. Um, like Mike Ness from Social D, if you watch this documentary, it's called Another State of Mind. Mm-hmm. He'll show you how he writes his tunes, and it's so funny. It's just him and his acoustic guitar. But then by the time it gets to the gets to your ears, it's punk and it's like heavy and it's into it or whatever. But it's how it starts. It's just him coming up with like a melody and lyrics and stuff, mm-hmm. playing right. it on an acoustic guitar, and that's just right. so awesome. You know, right. I'd love for Mike Ness to do a solo album with like that. That'd be great. <laughs> so yeah, um, uh, a lot what of you your, got for us, brother. Yeah, a lot of a lot of your songs. Well, a few of them anyway. Kind of seem like they're mixing, like combining words or uh, making up words, like what Bifana and Stella Cranita and Beltane and Merrick Coma, and I'm like, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> What the hell is on Since you mentioned Bafana, Bafana is a funny story because Bafana <laughs> is influenced by my wife's grandmother, who is Nana, who everyone knows as Nana. Mm-hmm. Nana's this old school Italian woman, and she used to scare my mother in law and my wife's uncle and my wife's aunt when they were kids, when they were bad, and say, Bafana is going to come for you. Now, Bafana, how she said it was, 
was this witch that lived in the woods that would come and grab them and kidnap them. Mm. But if you look it up, the fauna is basically a Christmas witch, which is good. She used to bring the presents to the kids, so it's kind of like a Santa Claus mm-hmm. for Italy. But right. she twisted it into this whole mm. demonic, insane, like, <laughs> steal my kid if you're bad kind of thing. And I laughed my ass off when, when Nana told me about this. And I'm like, Nana, I am writing a fucking song about Bafana. I have to. <laughs> so it's so funny because I wrote the song and there's this dude I worked with. It's at and uh, old school Italian dude. And I was like, dude, you got to hear this song. And he's like, Bafana. He's like, what are you writing about Bafana for? He's like, that's like a good Christmas witch or whatever. And I'm like, no, not according to Nana. And then I told him the story, and he loved it. But, yeah, that's where Bafana comes from. Mm. But, uh, yeah, like, uh, I guess we like our subliminal messages. Uh, I've always had a kick out of that. Uh, Growing up in the 80s and stuff, like, uh, Crew, that's, like, one of my major influences. They were always into that stuff, you know, like, Mm -hmm. saying that... uh, I think one of their even on one of their albums, like this album contains no subliminal messages because that was in the height of like the eighties when right. Ozzy and Judas Priest were on trial for like telling mm-hmm. people to kill themselves and shit. Yeah. So like uh yeah, I just I, I I like naming stuff like weird and you know, that's just my uh my insane sense of humor, I guess. So uh What's your philosophy on mixing and you know getting the song perfect or or <laughs> is, is the is the song is the song more important or is the mixing more important or are they both important because uh, a lot of times like the early stuff like the circle jerks black flag and like minor threat the first minor threat is like so it's recorded they recorded shit yeah. Like, I- it's like a boombox in 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 the room, and they're like you can hardly hear anything. But it's it's the songs that kick you feel, your brother. Ass. Yeah, I think and it's like who who? I mean, people. But what I don't know. It really pissed me off when I heard that Metallica took like nine months to write like the Black Album or something. They're sitting there. I'm like, who the fuck is sitting in the in the recording studio for nine fucking months? <laughs> yeah, spending all that freaking money. For fucking what? If they recorded it with a boombox, those songs are still gonna be fucking good. You can't take it away you know? from them, though, dude. That's one of the biggest selling albums of all time. I know, so but probably still in the top five hundred now. I know, but you're asking it's, me off spending all that money. Jared could probably answer this better than me because for me, I kind of am in the same boat as you. For I think you can't polish a turd. If a song is shit. It doesn't matter. You could polish it up all you want. It's shit. But now I agree that to an extent because for this, once quarantine, like I said, we were only together for a short time. We're all sitting home with our thumbs up our ass, and then we figure, okay, let's try and record, right? So Meds right. sends guitar to a click. I'm not set up for anything. Right. For, I, mean, I got drums in the garage, and you know, when I have you know six minutes, I go banging out before I go somewhere, you know. So I'm like, all right, well, I got nothing but time now. So, like you said, the, the, I, what was the, was No Escape, no, the first, I can't remember the first track we did. It wasn't No Escape. Well, you came in in the middle of, well, no, the first one, quarantine, but Unknown, 
Yeah, the unknown. Okay. So that one, if you hear, that one has an odd sound to it. Like you said, it's all. I used a single mic on my cell phone to record drums for that. So I had, I, I dampened everything the best I could. My, you know, the cymbal sound and audio things. Like, I had like these vintage like Zildjian that, you know, they would ring for a day. I'm in a garage, you know right. what I mean? But right. it was really, okay, let's make the best of it, you know? So I was like, okay, as long as I can hear the click through, you know, my earbuds, you know, that's what I'm using. You know, and that's basically what I went. So we wound up doing the whole album that way. So, and it, it, it kind of made it almost like, like that DIY approach where it mm -hmm. wasn't, super polished it wasn't you know um yeah it, it didn't sound you know like a, a pristine like you know a, a floyd album or anything like that you know uh the 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 the, the cuts and and bumps and moles i think kind of gave it character especially for metal you know for what we're doing you know what i mean right. the yeah. metal hybrid thing you know what i mean it didn't have to be that you know didn't sound you know direct in or any of that you know especially even for drums didn't sound like an e-kid you know it's really what you got was what i was doing in my garage you know what I mean? So, uh, and I still think it kicked ass. So I think the song still kind of outweighs it. Not, mm -hmm. not to say anything's bad about, you know, great recording. You know what I mean? Like, you know, but uh, I, I think that, that I think there's something, depending on what you're doing, if everyone's mm -hmm. in, I think it kind of comes through. Right. Definitely does, man. I, I agree with that because if I've spent uh with hollow we did a five song ep and we fucking went balls to the wall we got a grammy winning producer to record us we had it mastered by sony before you know it five songs it cost us twenty two thousand dollars now the songs sound great and i'm not discrediting it and i love it and i will stand by it to this day and I'm very, I'm very proud of that I did that. Mm -hmm. But versus how we've been recording this, I'll put these fucking songs up against my $22,000 fucking album any day of the week. And right. just recording-wise, we've come so far where you can do what Jared did. And, you know, you could do what we do. Like, it's, it's just... If you're putting it out and your song kicks ass and it gets to the right ears, which I don't know, like I feel uh, music has changed so much on like how you promote it or whatever. And oh, yeah, just I think you could put it out and people are going to appreciate it if the song sounds good without it having that pristine sound that you needed in the 90s or 2000 or whatever. This is a totally different generation just like look at these rap guys that are growing you know that they're, they're recording in their their rooms off of a cell phone and then you look at them on spotify and they have millions of viewers and millions of like listeners and spins and shit it's just you know you don't have to you don't have to throw your life savings times 20 into it mm -hmm. i feel like you could do it cheaper Right, get still the same end result if it's good. Yeah, I mean, even the early, early Sabbath and early, um, even the SOD album, they did that in three days. They got the, they, I mean, even some of our stuff. I was in a band called Society Got Mad in the 90s. Sometimes we at the end, we we're getting too, I'm like, we should know the songs, 
practice them out and go to the studio and they should be just bang them out. I mean, you don't need to be like sitting there and doing all this other crap. Part of it, I think, is is the studios, you know, this recording studio wants their money and the, and the recording guy wants his money. And, oh, yeah, I can do a really good job, you know. And I don't know, it's just like, it, it's not that, I don't think it should be that technical. And, and, you know, the guy probably got a degree from some college that knows all about recording. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I got this recording degree and you got to have the microphone right here. And, oh. Like, well. <laughs> That's yeah. what Hollow did. We walked into a studio that had fucking gold Grammy winning records on the wall. And we're like, holy shit, dude. Like, this dude's legit. And we... He was like, all right, go ahead, play. Let me see what you got. So we just jammed and we warmed up or whatever. And about two hours later, which was $75 an hour, mind you. Yeah. About two hours later, he goes, all right, well, have you guys ever heard of a metronome? And like, we're like, no, what the fuck is that? And he brought out the click. And now we're talking about a drummer that was a seasoned deadhead that never played to a click and jammed. So this guy whipped us into shape and if you listen to this album yeah it's dead on balls accurate and we paid for that but like it's an experience and, right you know right experience though comes with a price tag i feel so i kind of i don't know i'm into this d like do it yourself like jared was saying i like how we're doing it now and we're yeah. in total control about it because music industry has definitely changed with that stuff yeah, I mean, I'm doing mine in my living room within on my computer. That's it. You got to see our sound booth when I'm doing my vocals. It's hysterical, but I'm not going to give all the, uh, you know, the secrets away in the right. uh, in the lab. Right. But Ned's is definitely the Wizard of Oz behind the fucking curtain because he knows exactly <laughs> what to do, mm-hmm. exactly how we should sound, and like how you know he's just. I give him all the credit for that, man. Like, because he puts in the time and he puts in the effort. He does all that stuff. He mixes and masters it himself. And to boot, the dude's a marketing genius because he's the one that's behind the whole thing on Twitter and everything and getting us out there. And, you know, he'll bring me in and let me out of my cage and let me film something and throw it on there. And, He's the one that's getting the likes and everything, and I'm just, you know, dance monkey dance kind of thing, which is great. <laughs> I'm fine with that because I need that. Yeah. He's yeah. my editor. He's my best friend. He's like, you know, everything. So, Meds well, is definitely the brains still... behind this operation. I can't praise the dude enough. Yeah, he's really. He will fucking hate me for saying that right now, but I'm going to do it anyway. But he's supportive of the scene, too. Like, he really follows, like, other indie bands and things <laughs> like that. He really. He's in there. He actually listens to him. It's not just about like you know getting the 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 like or or the, right. the friend edit or anything. It's not about he listens to him. He, he does the whole thing. You know, it's right. he's really about he's that. Yeah, especially whole, like, you know, real rock uh, punk. The underground That's his thing. He has that whole underground scene that he started. You know, and it's just like 20, 25 bands that are on Twitter right now, and it's like we promote our own stuff, and he kind of built like a little machine. It's mm-hmm. almost like a virtual sunset strip, if mm-hmm. you will, like back in the 80s. Right. Which is cool as hell, dude, because you know what? If you, like, look at it, when you're playing gigs and shit, no one gives a shit about you, man. They'll yeah. come out, they'll play, 
they just want to get paid and they just want to leave. They don't care about you. They don't care about the band that was on before you. Like, they're just into their own shit. But you know what? Like, Meds kind of, like, brought this camaraderie around. And, like, we're promoting each other's stuff. We're collaborating on stuff. We're releasing stuff together. And it's like, this is cool, man. Like, you know, that's a cool idea. And, you know, it's... It's gaining some traction on the internet, man. Like, I'm, I'm talking to people that I don't think I've ever would, you know, think that I would be in contact with because, like, I don't think, like, I would, like, you know, yeah, I can, like, a band and stuff, but, like, you know, like, but to actually get to know them, like, find out about them and stuff and, like, you know, share and it's, it's pretty cool. So. Had an hour-long conversation on Twitter with a guy about Faith No More a couple of days ago. That's just great. going back and forth, different, you know, talking about different Mike Patton stuff, things like that. Right, right. That whole community, it's there. Which, by the way, if you talk about Mike Patton, I can't praise enough. And I think we collectively agree with that, honest, the new Mr. Bungle was the best album of 2020, like, without a doubt. And that's something from 1983, I think, right? He, like, wrote that mm-hmm. and how he revamped it. With new music, musicians and stuff. Oh man, I, I listened to that. I still listen to it. Like when it first came out, Meds was the one that was like, dude, you gotta hear Mr. Bungle. And I'm like, they released an album? Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, really? I haven't heard about them in years. And then I heard it and I instantly like got hooked and, you know, went on that Mr. Bungle thing. And I just can't wait for this shit, this pandemic. Or whatever you know, it's going on. I want it to go away so we yeah. can get back to like doing shit the right way, playing right gigs, going to see mm-hmm. the bands that we love. You know, yeah. this sucks. <laughs> absolutely does suck. But you know, you may got to make the best of it. And yeah, I feel Demon Scar definitely made the best of the pandemic in the best possible way, and that was creating great new music, finding the the missing ingredient that we needed as far as the drummer. You know, and just Meds building that uh, whole community within. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a good thing. So, cool. back to the questions. Uh, Jared, you want to shoot off a question we have for uh, Dennis? Yeah, I would say, who do you think is going to be a band that's going to carry a flag going forward, whether it's rock, punk, metal? Like, what band do you think has that now? That we might be talking about down the road. Uh, the only one I can think of is like Megadeth. I think Mustaine is kind of really getting things going. Mm-hmm. Meds will love you, brother. He <laughs> loves Mustaine. <laughs> yeah, but I do too. I do too. I I mean I like Mustaine, but I've never really been a big Megadeth fan. He'll probably hate that, but I don't know. It, it's just I don't know if I hate it. I'd explain it, brother. Like I, I'm all ears. I want to hear what you gotta say about that because Yeah, I mean I, I feel Mustaine is Megadeth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean some people say Lamb of God. Lamb of God like being like the next, you know, they're yeah. Pantera, you know right. you know, carrying the flag that way. Right. For me, it's not even like a band. I think it's one guy and he's doing it great. And I love him so much. And it's Dave Grohl. Because Dave Grohl, 
first of all, came from one of the biggest bands, whether you like them, hate them, mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. You can't take away from what the influence that they did. So then he got behind, you know, in, out from that cage that he was in with the drums and took this next band that he was in even further than the other band. I mean, I'm not going to say Foo Fighters Eclipse Nirvana because, you know, that's a, a totally two different beasts or whatever, but he got them to play stadiums. He got them on the big level. And now, like, he just looks like he loves it. And I love that about him. And, like, <laughs> this new tune that he did with Mick Jagger, yeah, dude, I fucking can't stop listening to it. It's so good. Like, it's so good. It's like punk. It's like that sleazy, stonesy, like the good stones that we love. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't even think of the last time I heard a stone song like this that came out. Like, I don't know, man. I I give my kudos to uh, to, to Dave Grohl. I love Dave Grohl and what he's doing, man. I think he's cool as hell. It's not got to his head. And he's doing it right, man. And... You know, there's going to be haters out there. I know that. But that's my guy that I look at. I'm like, that's cool, man. Because Dave Roll changes it up. He switches it up. He does what he's got to do. And Yeah, I give him the I give him the flag, man. Like, bring it. Bring it back. Bring Rock back and let Dave Grohl front us there, you know? Yeah, definitely. Good choice. Um... Um, what do you what do you think of like award shows and like top ten lists and best guitar things? Oh, this is the best drummer, especially since you know Neil Peart died and Van Halen died. Oh, he was the best drummer. He was the best. Yeah, that's a, those are all the lists Mike Portnoy winds up on, right? <laughs> <I guess. laughs> yeah, I, there's Daniel. so many there's so many good guitarists and drummers that. And, and and it's an art form. Uh, it just it just kind of annoys me. Like they're good and they got their style, and I can't say he was the best. That's my. I opinion. could rip the shit apart of like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, that'd be a whole show in itself. Yeah, because those fuckers will never get it right. They just like to give the band that's right whatever. That 25 years that they put in and they'll give it to them but then there's bands there that still haven't even gotten the light of day let alone a top nomination man like right they'll never get it right i love that johnny rotten wrote basically johnny rotten when the sex pistols got in they send them a fax and what he did was he wrote over that fax in a fucking sharpie and faxed it back to them and that's what's in the rock and roll hall of fame his denying that he wanted to be in there Right. And he was like, I piss on your Hall of Fame. And you know <laughs> what, man? Like, <laughs> I I don't want to sound like one of those snobs, like, oh, my band's too cool for your Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm happy as hell that um, the New York Dolls finally got their due and got their nomination this year. Hopefully, mm-hmm. they'll get their, uh, their introduction. But, hey, man, too little, too late. Because who are you going to have up there right now? It's going to be the David Johansson show. So we're going to have Buster Poindexter up there accepting the award for the guys that, you know, that passed away. And they did it with the Ramones. They did it with the Clash. 
when you die, that's a shoe in. They love that, you know. So I, I think the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame needs to get some new blood in there. And right. I think they need more of a variety. I don't give a shit that they put hip hop in there because you know what? Hip hop deserves it too. Maybe not call it the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Maybe call it the Music Hall of Fame because I know there's people that are like, how the fuck can you put Biggie Smalls and Tupac into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Well, you know what? Those guys, they were very uh, in, um, legendary in their right, man. They had little time here. And in the little time that they did, they made huge, you know, uh, not accomplishment, but like a huge uh, offering to to music for the rest of their lives. But you know, it's not. Is it rock and roll? I don't know. It's music. That's Maybe the call whole it something thing. different. But bring some other new blood in there just to like you know revamp it and get those guys that do Priest, Iron Maiden, Motley Crue. They all deserve to be in there. We know that. You know. Are you telling me that Metallica deserved to be in there before Ozzy and Black Sabbath? No. <laughs> yeah, Black yeah. Sabbath should have been fucking day one. Oh, yeah. day one. Black yeah. Sabbath showed everyone how to met, be metal. And yeah. I feel like they are the godfathers of metal. They should have been in there from day one. They shouldn't have had bands that they influenced go in first and then like let them open the door. I don't know. It's a popularity contest, I feel. Oh yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I get angry. You see, I can get angry about that. Like I said, this could be a fucking five-hour conversation about this because I get pissed off. Like you know, that the bands that don't have their due, that they should get their nod. You know, right, but right. As far as top five though, and top ten stuff, I live my life by that. I'm always saying top five. Top five this, top five that, you know? Yeah. I have a group text with two of my friends. We call ourselves top five video. We just do pop culture stuff. And like, dude, top, we'll just send each other stuff. Like top five, whatever, you know? Like, I love that. I love making lists. Yeah, but that's Jared, Jared and Ned's bust on me all the time because every song that we do is my favorite at one point. I love making like my favorites and my lists and whatever. That's just. <laughs> but that's fun like personally. That. Like saying, hey, what's your top three 80s movies? Yeah, that's funny. But like award shows where like celebrities are giving other celebrities awards, that yeah. that's to me. I'm not a fan of that. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. The Grammys too, dude. Like, give me a oh. break. Yeah. Perfect example. Jethro Tull beat Metallica. It's an old joke, but it's really yeah. a fucking joke. Yeah. yeah. never happened. Yeah. I won't watch those Grammy awards. Fuck that. I like the MTV Awards when they actually played music back in the day, you know, but I don't know. Right. I guess we're old as fuck because we're talking about, like, how it should have been and how it was. Get <laughs> 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 off my lawn with your fucking Grammy Awards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Dennis, so... What is your ultimate show lineup? Now, name, I want you to name three bands or musician from any genre to make your ultimate concert. Huh. Remember, this is the Dennis Fest, so it could be yeah. anyone you want, bro. That was a hard one. Ah, I just came up with Circle Jerks, Minor Threat, and You Exploited. 
That's sick. <laughs> that, that's I would right. love that. Yeah. Uh, Where would you want that? Where would you want to see that? My living room. Play <laughs> <laughs> personally for me. During yeah. a pandemic, they could fucking virtually like show it to me. <laughs> I would under a bridge somewhere, just like you know, in a parking lot under a bridge. It'd be perfect. That's, right, exactly. Like in the fucking yeah. Well, it would have to be a, just a small, small club, like a thousand yeah, club. I mean, that that's that's where I saw Metallica in the eighties before they made it big. I mean, it was freaking awesome. You're yeah. West Coast. You've always been West Coast. No, I'm. I'm. Well, uh, I was born East. I was born in Ohio. I was born oh, in Ohio. Okay. That's dope. That's but, cool. But I spent 18 years there, and I've been here 34. So, <laughs> so that's I'm, cool, man. I, I'm, band, I'm West Coast. Uh, I'm West Coast now. <laughs> my band MFU, was, man, like the uh, the guitarist was from Ohio. I've I've been there. I've yeah. been there with my band MFU back in the day. I've been there with my band Hollow. Ohio had a cool little strip over there by the uh, by the university. Yeah, Ohio State, State University. Yeah, yeah I, was in a, played, I was in a I was in a metal band and we played there. There was uh, a place, um, something basement. I forget the name of it. Cool as hell, man. It was a punk bar, mm. but I forget the fucking name of the place, man. It was so cool though. Um, I don't there, know. There was a place called Stashes. A lot of punk bands played. But you like you said, you were there a long time ago. Now you've been on with the West Coast for what you said eight uh, thirty years. Yeah, over thirty yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah, we want to bring the scar out west, man. That's like one of the things like we have definitely on our uh, our list. Jared, what's your uh, what's your ultimate concert thing? Oh man, it's like it, that could change daily. You know what I mean? That could be like <laughs> a grunge list one day, the next day. You know. Like, well, as of 7.48 right now on Saturday night. <laughs> I put it this I was listening to Janet Jackson all morning. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> That's I'm this perfect example why I love this guy. Yeah. Because you don't fucking say shit like this. And I'm yeah. like, dude, I'm a nasty girl too, bro. I love yeah. Janet Jackson. <laughs> Seriously. That's it. I mean, like, I mean, right now, I mean, uh, I'd probably, I, you know what? I'm going to go with bands that, like, I've somehow kept missing like i've missed face no more i never got you know they had the big gap obviously but then when they played and i didn't go to that show that that sucked that i was like i was bummed for missing that and i'd probably go feed the more me tool deftones so i just think those three would just probably get it all together for me that's dope that's cool yeah i, I don't for think me, I, i'm adult. gonna go ramones i only saw them once nirvana because i could have saw them but I got suspended from school, and my parents told me that I couldn't go. Mm. I had a ticket, and they played the fucking sickest set ever. And it was about six months before Kurt died. So that's one of the shows I wish I would have went to, and I've mm. always wanted to see them, and I didn't see them. Headlining would be Queen. Oh, yeah. It's a weird show, right. Queen, Nirvana, and the Ramones. But I feel like that's my show that I would – Get my second fill of the Ramones with the original lineup, of course, and get Nirvana and get Queen. Like, uh, I wish I could have seen Queen back in the day, man. I, I love Queen, but uh, I actually, it was a couple of years ago, I brought my daughter to a concert. 
that, that band Panic at the Disco, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I do the dad thing. I'm like, oh, I'm going to rush through it. Sick version of and the, the, and the wound up right? surprised me. The kid could sing his ass. So he was great. Oh, Kate's probably my. I don't even know how old he is. But anyways, they did Bohemian Rhapsody. And the Barclays Center is huge. But, like, it's the, the place was electric. And I was realizing, like, this is probably the closest it'll ever get. You know, to seeing, you know, clean food, you know, Freddie. Because, I mean, he sings like anything. And they didn't change anything. It, and every and everyone there knew it. So it was it was awesome. I mean, that was definitely a surprise moment. Like, I didn't know they did that, you know. So yeah, I like, you know, a cool dad moment. But, you know, <coughs> all right, go, you know. And then uh, that was that was huge, though. But that, I, that made me think seeing Queen would have been. Because they had so many songs like that for me. I saw Queen with um, Adam Lambert, and mm -hmm. uh, he plays the part really well. And he doesn't take away from Freddie. He's always saying, like, you know, Freddie's Freddie. You can't, you know, you yeah. can't do that. <clears throat> but there's a part of, like, the show where um, uh, Brian May comes out and he does Love of My Life. And he sings it himself on acoustic guitar and, like, the last verse, Freddie comes up on the screen. And I remember that my wife was six months pregnant and I took her to this against her will. And she was like, Fuck, man, I don't feel like going out. I don't want to do this. Please, whatever. And I'm like, babe, you're going to fucking love it. Now, of course, she's six months pregnant, man, but I got to give it to her. She did come out. She went and saw the show with me. But during this part, I looked over to her, and we both had fucking tears in our eyes. And like, I felt like I don't—I'm man enough to admit that I got fucking emotional during it. Like, we were both agree that's like one of the greatest things that we've ever seen. Like, Freddie wasn't even there, but he was on the screen, and people singing that tune, and like his boy paying homage to him—it was beautiful, man. And that's just like, you know, just a missed opportunity, I feel, for uh, seeing that magic. Because I feel like that band, one in a million. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Definitely one of my early influences, too, Queen. Queen? Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, they had a lot of their commercial stuff, but a lot of this stuff, like when they first came out, was rocking, bro. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, that that, that pe many people don't know about it. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's the song here. One, Sing the song Sheer Heart Attack. <coughs> Kick ass. Man, I love that song. Yeah, man, it's definitely heavy rock. Big time, big time. It's definitely. Um, All right. Uh, now that the music industry has changed and most of it's streaming, should music be free or should we pay? There's some bands out there that are on Twitter, like Sound Ninja, the X Friends and stuff, that just give away their music free. And I know it's up to the individual, but what do, what do you guys think about the state of the music? Because now it's like free music, and you got to pay a million dollars to go see a concert. What do you got, Jared? Well, I think that's the side effect from it. I mean, take it from guys who's never really made any money from music. You know, so I yeah. <laughs> like guys are like, we're in the 70s, and made massive contracts, right. and poof, it's gone. You know what I mean? So right. like that. Be, have the rug pulled out of you uh, from under you that way that had to be wow you know what i mean but uh i, I mean i i think there's got to be a happy medium because 
you know, I, I with, with all the band t-shirts and everything I have, I have like the most expensive shitty wardrobe just from going to concerts. You know what I mean? $40 concert tees and stuff like that, you know? But uh, I feel like there's, there's, maybe there's got to be some of the new formats. I mean, with the streaming, it's, it's, it's really cool that, you know, you see some people can get it out there if it catches on with a, with a SoundCloud or whatever, you know what I mean? But I guess the real thing is the marketing tools that come with labels. I, I you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's tough. You know what I mean? You know, people getting, you know, the record execs getting rich of other bands backs, you know, it's nice to see maybe that's gone, you know, maybe yeah. that's now it's like they're getting rich another way. You know, bands have to tour into the ground. Right. Make a couple dollars. You know what I mean? No one lives extravagant and anyone who thinks, Oh, you're in a band, you're rich. Right. You right. know, no you, way. Yo, you're rich. Right. Well, not obviously not, that's not anymore, brother. And that's not, not the case, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, you have to see many bands have to go out. They they, they tour together. You know, two, three yeah. pretty decent sized bands on a bill to right. try and get the the bigger ticket prices. You know, so you know, as as far as music free, I mean, I guess Napster changed all that. You know what I mean? I think if people want to kind of get it, you know, I mean, you can watch the video on YouTube. You know what I mean? It maybe the if they could change the way the artist structure pay is, I don't know. I mean, this is a this is a, a tough one. I guess you know, however they iron out the bands are still going to wind up getting screwed pretty much. I guess <laughs> if history proves anything, right? Big time. Yeah, that's, that's about the size of it. <laughs> Think about also the guys like in the Ramones that weren't the original guys. That was always the fight that they had because the right. Ramones were getting their pay, which wasn't great. But then the new guys were just hired guns and they were getting paid like whatever, you know, they were getting paid... Right. Her show is like a little whatever. I, I know Richard Ramon was always looking to get into that like T-shirt thing and like you know into the merch because that's where it's at right now. Right. Uh, I feel the resurgence of vinyl is a big help to bands because now bands can put out the vinyl and people are going absolutely apeshit over vinyl like they they love it and it's something that. As a kid, it was one of my things that I loved. When a band would put out their band, album, I would get the album. I would read the liner notes. I would mm -hmm. look at the album cover. It was right. something in my hands. Right. Kids now are missing out on that because now it's all digital and all that shit. Mm -hmm. But now special editions are coming out where bands like put out like a vinyl or they put out like a special edition vinyl or a limited edition 45 or you know, a seven inch or something. That's a good marketing tool. And I think that will help out. <coughs> will it make people millions? I don't know. But um I think well, the days of record deals and all that shit are long gone and uh well, is it make, to make a record. The attention spans are so short. I don't even these no one's today's listening anything from start to finish. No listen to a whole record that that's You're that's right. that's crazy. It's one Absolutely. track probably makes more sense to have an EP and like and I listen I was listening to a song from the 90s the other day the outro was two and a half minutes any hip-hop pop song is that length now right. the song start to finish is as long as an outro from the 90s you know right. so everything's changed you know what I mean and I mean I'm sure there's geniuses out there marketing on it and how to screw everyone but uh you know as far as the bands I mean if 
if they can get it to where, you know, regular people come. Like, you know, we have people, we're like, we give away stickers. You know, we have stickers. We're giving away, you know, to people on our socials, things like that. You know, anything, you know, get people to listen. It's amazing, like, what that's, uh, that's, ha- that's actually taken off right now for us. It's like four it's or five different thing. Yeah, man. We were all over the place with that. That Med showed us a list today of, like, people that, like, wanted stickers from us. Figured we'd throw it out there, you know, like, what's the sticker to make or whatever, but, you know. It might cost us a little bit, but it's something in the end is physical. Oh, I don't know what happened to Jared. Oh, yeah, I'm getting a phone call, I guess. Don't worry, that'll go away in a sec. (laughs) But, you know, that sticker um, is something physically in their hands. And I think that that's what you have to give them. I think you have to give them something that they can hold, something that they can take home, put it on something or hold it or... You know, the vinyl, they're taking that out, they're listening to it. That's a good uh that's a good thing. Uh, I didn't hear what, what what was the deal with the stickers? Just you're asking people that oh, want uh, or we 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 printed our uh we printed our new album cover on a sticker and we just put it out. If anybody wants a free sticker, DM us and we'll send it out to you. Oh, okay. And the response has been overwhelming, man. We got a lot of people from a lot of different places, which is Really awesome because it shows you where your demand is. You know, mm. so like now it might take us a month and a half to get all these fucking stickers out, but you know what? Like at least we know where we're sending them and like yeah. we know where we're wanted. Uh Ricky, good idea. yeah. That's definitely good, man. Yeah. I know, I got a bunch of stickers. So back better... in the day, like I used to yeah. um I haven't really done it in the last couple of gigs, but what like with death proof and i feel like with hollow i used to take like about 50 stickers and i'd stick them in my back pocket mm-hmm. and after i play i'm like a creature bro like i'll just roam around do some shots or whatever drink at the bar but then i would always hand someone a sticker even if i gave it to them three times because <laughs> i don't remember who i gave it to <laughs> that was my thing like oh you dug us here you go man here's a sticker and i'd have them in my back pocket right. you know what people remember that shit like, I feel like, you know what? Oh, dude, yeah, I did a shot with that guy, man. He was cool. I like that song. Man, maybe I'll look him up. You know what? Boom, a follow. That could lead to something, you know? Right. I, I feel being, like, approachable like that, you know? Like, I'll, that's how I am. So, like, I, I like doing that. Like, I like the idea of uh, giving out the free stuff. To an extent, of course, you know? Right. Like, like you said, man, like... Jared was saying, like, making money, like, with this. If I break half of even when it's all said and done, right, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, that's all we've ever done. I've ever done is pretty much break even at the most. Most of it's lose money, but <laughs> it's all yeah, crazy. Lose money, a win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. you're, you're talking about the Ramones. That, that, that uh, reminded me of another question. Uh, what about some of these some of these bands like the one that I kind of don't get? I think Grand Funk. I think they're still around, but there's like no original members. And I'm like, I mean, what? That's kind of rough. I mean, what? I mean, like either like Bluster Cult's only got two members left, and you know they're getting old. And I'm like, it okay, depends. Like, but I but but like... but it's weird that the other that the other guys in the band have been in there for twenty some odd years. 
like and the I'm newer like, members. Yeah, the newer members. Yeah, they've, they've still been there 20 members, so if those guys die and they replace them, it's like, it's Blue Oyster Cult, but then there's no original members. So how's that Blue Oyster Cult? I, but then I'm thinking, this, like... I know Kiss, like... I know. All hands are off Kiss right now, but, like, <laughs> just Kiss will fucking sell to the day they die and beyond that. Like, I heard a, a rumor, and this is always, like, Kiss rumors and shit, Right. But I've heard that Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley want to sell the rights to the Space Child and the Demon. So, like, when they can't play again, Kiss can continue on without them, which is fucking crazy. Because I feel like, all right, they're having enough trouble right now trying to sell out their venues. They're still doing it. But do you really think in the back of their heads, like, Someone's gonna say, "Fuck, man, I'm gonna go see Kiss with no members, with just the the likenesses of the Catman and the fucking uh-huh. Space Ace, and you know, um, yeah." There's some bands out there that that I don't think they should be going out touring under the name that they're under. Right. I lead singer, a guitar, the main guitarist. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. Like you could like make a different variation or whatever, but like this is going back. I got. I'll. I don't care. I'll name drop it. I don't even give a shit. Give a shit. But like, Bobby Blotzer from Rat was going out saying that he's Rat, just him, the drummer. Like you know, no offense to Jared, but no. like, uh. dude, you can't call yourself Rat when you have all new members. You calling yourself? You basically you're a Rat cover band. <laughs> yeah. Maybe pull it Bobby Blotz's rat. Like that's fine. You could do something like that, but this right. actually try to say that you're rat, like, nah, man. That's why like when you, they're gonna get a lot of shit for it, and I'm sure they are, but like crew, when they retired back in 2015, they did that to protect their name just in case Vince Neal would go out and like or I could say Vince Neil, but like I don't even know if Nicky would do it or Mick Nick wouldn't do it. And I don't know Tommy, but I can't I could see like maybe Vince Neil would go out and say, like, hey, you know, like I'm Motley Crew with these other guys. Like they protected their name, they did it right. Like you get you can't tour without these original four guys. Now they broke the contract, they're gonna go out and do it again, but they're gonna do it together. You know, that's fine. But like um it's just a bringing down the band, man. Like you're gonna go to a town fair and you're gonna see fucking the drummer from Rat saying like, "Hey, I'm Rat now," and he's is this is Rat. No, it's not. That's not Stephen Piercy. That's not fucking Warren D. Martini. Right. You know, like you can't do that. Well, the dude like a lot of those '80s bands did that shit. Yeah, there was two great whites, and even the the dude clown from Slipknot. You know, they're all wearing masks. So that band could live on in in at that they, aspect they you know could. I mean? absolutely two, could you know because they, they even you know remember at the beginning they just went by numbers right zero through nine so who are you gonna pro- how can you prove that i'm not six you know what i mean like <laughs> <laughs> yep i'm fucking six not dude i'm six you know like uh, i get it but yeah i i feel like there's a lot of bands that uh shouldn't shouldn't do what they're doing like skinner skinner's doing it but like it's a different beast man i feel like that's the 
the dude's brother and he's like living on with the legacy and is like mm-hmm. one original member. And I don't even know if that guy passed away in the last year, but they're at the end of their rope too, though. But right. I'm not this Leonard Skinner. I like them, you know, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I played Freebird. That's how I learned how to play lead guitar. Just sat in my room and Freebird played. I knew every, I knew every, every, every like part. This, of you know, the Misfits, the Misfits did it for a long time. Jerry Olney yeah. would tour as the Misfits, and he would sing, and he would bring, you know, either like Michael Graves would sing, you know, he did like those two great albums with them, and then, uh, but then when they reunited, I feel like this was a Glenn thing. They had a tour as the original Misfits. Like, I thought that was kind of tacky to put on a shirt. Like, we're the original Misfits. Nah, dude, you're the Misfits. You know, like maybe Jerry Only could have been Jerry Only's Misfits or whatever. But (laughs) I know, yeah. You know what, Jerry Only? I I get I I met him. I like the guy. He's a nice dude. I'm glad that he did that. But that's one of my ultimate concert things was seeing. The reunited Jerry only with Glenn. They kind of fucked over Doyle. They didn't even put him in the listing, but I feel like they should have gave him top billing with them three. And they had Dave Lombardo on drums. But just to see like a sold out Madison Square Garden with those songs being played with 25,000 people singing them. Yeah, it's not a small little club intimate thing. But the Misfits got their due, and I feel like that was something awesome to see. Like I love that. They were sloppy as hell, man. They played like shit, but it sounded great to me. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> well, from someone else that would see them, they'd be like, ah, yeah, fuck them. They couldn't play in a place like that. They shouldn't have played. I'm happy that they did, and they cashed out, man. They They deserve it. But that's the original. You know, that, that's right. the, Misfits. You know, the Misfits could tour into that because I feel like they had the original members in there. So yeah. All right, is it your turn again? Yes. Who's 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 up? What we got here. Um, all right. So, what made you want to become a musician? Yeah, uh, just from birth. Uh, My dad always had music, and I just, I'd go around, uh, they told me I had one of those play guitars, and go around singing, yeah, 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 from the Beatles, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just always been around music, and around sixth grade, I just started playing the saxophone first, Lord knows why, but, and then... I gave that up, and then I'm like, I want to play guitar now. And they're like, no, you gave up the saxophone. You're not going to play guitar. And I guess I showed them 40-some-odd years later. I'm still playing guitar. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just, I just love the music. And and I'm sure part of it was like every 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 little boy's, you wanted to get noticed, and you wanted to get the girl, so. <laughs> I got to agree with you on that, brother. It definitely counts. <laughs> I'm sure every young boy went, I want the girls, I want to be noticed, I want to get to them. Funny you mention that, dude, because you know what? Like, one of my first things of seeing why I want to become a musician, well, it was, I. my brother had shown me, I don't know if he should have showed me this at such a young age, but he also showed me 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre when I was like seven years old. So like, <laughs> that's just another whole discussion. <laughs> but he showed me Motley Crue Uncensored. Now Motley Crue Uncensored was this VHS that they put back out. It was between Doctor. Uh, it was between Theater of Pain and Girls, Girls, Girls. And it's an interview that Vince Neil holds, and it's behind. It's in the back of a limo. And he's sitting in a, a fucking hot tub in a limo with like three of these chicks going down the Sunset Strip. And it's just like, whoa, dude, that's like the coolest shit that I've ever seen. As a seven year old, obviously now in cancel society, like maybe that's not so cool, but like, right. it's definitely what I saw like as a kid that was impressionable to me. Like, Whoa, so maybe if I'm in a band that would happen to me, I don't know. Like <laughs> I just thought it was a cool rock and roll moment, but yeah, that's the whole thing. You get the girl. Yeah, I wish mine was cool like that, but uh I was my my best friend, like my brother, he he played drums in school. So uh he had a blue he had a blue drum set with Roto Tom, so that he was learning to play. I mean, we tease in fifth grade, so that would put me in like third. And I was like, wow, that just looks cool as shit. You know what I mean? And then uh, the he kept playing, and then I guess it was like, so you know, I joined school band or whatever, so it's like fifth, sixth, and seventh. I went up getting kicked out of school band. <laughs> so I didn't play drums again until I was like 19, 18, yeah, 18, 19. I ran into a girl that I. I played drums with in school at like a flower shop. Like we, we were both buying uh, flowers for our girlfriends. And she's, and I asked you if she still played drums type of thing. And she's like, yeah, she does. I was like, oh, cool. No, I don't, you know. And she's like, oh, but uh, she's like, but I, you know, she had an apartment. She's like, I, I'm moving and uh, she was going to sell her drums. So I actually just bought the drums from her. And, and uh, so and then it was the painstaking thing, like just self teaching, you know. So, you know, because right. I felt like I was older, you know, I was 18, it should be better, you know. And then, uh, I'm so listen, I'll be right back. Two seconds. Yeah. So then, uh, I continued, you know, you know, that way, you know, just kind of struggling on my own. And then, uh, funny story with her, like those same drums I found out were like very special from like her family and stuff like that. So I got another kid, I gave him back to her. Mm. Winds up moving like a year later. She didn't want to get rid of him, so I wind up holding him for her. So like these things kept going back and forth. This <laughs> old black comic kit, you know. So it was, it was, it was cool. But yeah, it's, as far as I mean, I was always like when I was younger, I was stuck on MTV. So I mean, mm -hmm. and I, I mean, all the made all music look cool. You know, I mean, everyone looked cool. You know. Oh yeah. Then, you know, probably not bassists. You know, bassists never look cool. You know, so but, <laughs> why would they? <laughs> but all those videos made everyone else look cool. Come on. I was dude. able to twirl drumsticks before I could actually play beats. Put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting there watching pretty sure probably Tommy Lee, you know, they just everything twirled sticks. So I had that done before I could even play a beat on a kit. So. Oh, yeah, so that's the most important the thing. Important so much yeah. <laughs> Not that I'm trying to disagree with Jared, but bassist never looking cool. Dude, Sid Vicious didn't even have to plug in, bro. And he looked cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's definitely my idol. That, that's 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 the look I always go to. It, go for. 
<laughs> he might have not lasted very long, but he left a legacy enough to be like, shit, man. Every punk should be wearing a lock around their neck. <laughs> and yeah. given the the angry face, or what do you call it? The stank face? The metal stank face, yeah. Metal <laughs> the metal stank face. So the metal stank face yeah. should come from possibly Sid Vicious's original punk fucking <laughs> grill. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm just making a little mixer right here. Um, all right, Dennis. I got a question for you, actually. Hi. Um, oh, yeah. All right. Well, Jared was originally going to answer this, uh, ask this, but I'll ask it. But I'm going to beg to defer, and I'll do my reasoning. <laughs> I already know. <laughs> we love each other. Like, you know, it's all good. Should bands interact or respond to online trolling? Like trolling, you mean? Dickheads. Like, yeah, um, well, commenting shit. People just talk shit. People just to try to get a rise out of you. Just get oh. yeah, internet tough guys, mm -hmm. that type of shit. Right. Yeah. Uh most most of the time, I would say ignore it. That's my opinion. Just because they'll just go away if you kind of try to respond, and it just kind of ends up rolling like a big rock, <laughs> getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> so I don't know. What do you think, Jared? I mean, personally, like, like you know, especially as like no one's gonna say it to you. You know what I mean? So, like, everyone gets tough online. I mean, we're all a bunch of smart asses, so I think we could do well with it, but I guess as far as being professionals, it's best not to. Mm -hmm. Now, it, there's the high road and everything, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I bet people come up to me, oh, like, I messed up a song or something like that. I go, I'll hand them the sticks. I'm like, all right, man, next set to you, bitch. You know? I'm like, I don't care about that. You know, is that the, what are they gonna do? And, oh, oh, oh! I'm like, here, here you go, man. That's it. You start in five minutes. You know, and uh, but like as far as online, it's probably you know taking the high road is the way to go. Now, for me, it's deep rooted. I feel because <laughs> growing up, I was fucking picked on. Everyone was picked on, but I feel like I was picked on. Then. I stood up for myself and I wasn't as picked on, but then I still saw the people that were fucking saying shit and picking on kids. Right. And I just feel like these bullies, whether it's virtual or if it's fucking in person or whatever, have to be put in their place, man. Like going back then, man, like I like it just triggers me because like um, playing like high school football. I don't even know why I'm saying this. There's nothing to do with music, but like playing high school football, there was always that hazing bullshit going on. Right. And I would fucking tell kids like that were younger than us when it came to like my time in on the varsity football team, I would protect them and I would fight my jock, my jock asshole friends because they would pick on them. Because they were fucking bullies. And I was just like, dude, just leave these fucking kids alone. Right. I would tell them, like, get out of the locker room. These dicks are coming in. They're going to fuck with you or whatever. And I always have that in the back of my head. So, like, when I see someone fucking putting down 
something that I fucking love and that I would fucking like kill for. It just fucks with me, man. And I have to say something. Like I, I want to take the high road and do the thing and like be the better person. But I'll fucking get down in the mud with you, dude. And I'll, I'll put you in your place. And I don't give a shit, man. Like I fucking love my my boys and my band, man. And I protect them. And even like playing a gig if someone comes up to us and says some shit or whatever most of the time i'll brush it off or whatever but it does affect me man and like it ignites me and like i feel like i have to engage where it might not be the most classy thing to do Mm -hmm. but for me i'm putting this asshole in his place even though he could be a piece of shit that no one cares about and he just finds his fucking strength going on the internet and like, right. you know, pit, poking fun because he doesn't have the guts to go out in society or whatever. But don't put my shit down, man. And don't put my friends down. Right. That's just me. I get care because, I mean, honestly, I think the people that are even online going to it, they're, they're not the, you know, the high school peakers or anything. I don't even, I don't even know who to actually has the time to go online just to, you know, make negative reviews or whatever the fuck they do. I think I don't it, even think it's the high school bully, dude. I think it's the people that were bullied that are doing it. But that's the majority I of it. it for them. I mean, but I, bl- I brush all that shit off because it's, I mean, it, as far as, I actually get a rise out of it. People like break balls. We had a thing on our, uh, t- our TikTok and we're talking like a 10 second video and someone said something about like a, a tempo or some shit. I'm like, it's a cell phone video for it. It's like nine seconds long. What the fuck is that tempo? Everything we got to fucking four beats. What do you mean? He's, a, he's right, man. I should go that way, but I just have it's, something it's fucking right hilarious. up here, man, that just like, doesn't go there. This guy doesn't know shit about fuck. It's hilarious. <laughs> I, work at a, I work at this haunted house during, like, October or whatever, and for some reason, every season, and I've been doing it for about six years, there's always this little asshole that comes in with a big mouth and says fucking shit, either to me or to my coworkers, sometimes to me, being a big dude. And this little fucking dude walks in and he'll say something, not thinking that I won't say anything back because I'm not supposed to. Dude, I don't care if you fucking pay me the most amount of money in the world, I'm going to fucking say it back. There was this dude that walked in, like, he, he was... Literally, like, I don't even know, man, 5'2". I could have probably splattered him like a fucking bug on a wall. (laughs) Which, it probably could have got to that, but it didn't. He walked in with, like, three of his friends. And he's like, holy shit, dude. He looked at me. He's like, holy shit, dude. How much do you weigh? And I was like, about 10 pounds less than your mother. Dude, the fucking... Friends went off. They laughed their fucking ass off. Like, this dude felt like a piece of shit that he was. And I felt the instant gratification. But you know what? Maybe I should have just let it go because I put myself out there. And maybe I shouldn't continue to fight that. But I don't know, man. Well, in person's a, a lot different. Than... I said, fuck bullies. In person's a lot different than online, man. That's it. I yeah. wish that guy had more balls than, like, an online predator. But, like, an online guy, yeah. Fuck it. I don't know. Maybe I should take that. Most of the time, I do. I don't Leave say anything. I let it go. <laughs> There's always that one asshole 
that will say something that I have to fucking respond to. I don't think right. like, I have to. Like, it's it's in me. <laughs> right. Well, so sometimes it's situational. It depends on the situation and, you know, exactly what they said. And, you know, it just depends. Right. There are certain things. But yeah, it's always the one dude. That's why I wrote the the one song, Tyranny of the Few, because it's always the few assholes that screw it up for everybody. True. <laughs> with everything, right? Couple guys. Dude, everything. Songs, with dude, everything. A lot of the tunes that you write, you, I'm sure you can attest to this, man, are from past shit that comes up, you know? Yeah. Distant lies, man. Like a song that we do, which I'll commend Jared, because Jared brought this tune toward a whole new level. Distant Lies was written about 20, 2001. So I'm going to say Distant Lies was probably written 98, 99. So I was about 21, 22 years old. Um, totally in a dead-end job. Like, I just didn't fucking care about anything i gave up like i it's basically my fucking suicide note that i fucking put into lyrics that i held on to for a long time and i played in other bands and it just never got to where i felt like it should be like i was content with it but like i just felt like it was just more and then um, me and Meds were deciding on another song like that we should put on the Built to Crash EP. So it was just like, all right, Distant Lies, maybe we should try that. And Meds knew of it, never played on it, but like he knew of the song. So he was just like, all right, dude, but you know, I don't want to like rip off of like the other stuff that you did. So I'm like, all right, well, maybe we'll add like a new ingredient to it or whatever so he led he wrote like this little cool um key part to it so he put that to it and then um i laid down the vocals but it was still missing something and then he tapped into his girlfriend he was like yo would you like to sing like uh back up to this and she fucking nailed it i saw her do it like two times two chant you know two Two goes arounds and she did it. She put a, her vocals on it, and then um, we recorded it and we released it, and it sounded great. But once we started playing with, with Jared, Jared added this another part to it towards the end, which is like a build-up, and I feel like the meat and potatoes of the tune get to that point and like jared just uplifted it with this like sick build up at the end and like it just goes into this whole thing after the solo and it's just brings the song to a whole new level and it just made it to like where it's at right now and i feel like that tune i'm so happy that i didn't give up on it man and i'm just it's just one of the songs i love playing I, I turned it into, like, a positive thing because, like, you know what, man? I survived those feelings and everything. I don't feel like that anymore. I want someone else to listen to it. I want someone else to clasp, you know, to, to grasp this tune and be like, 
wow, this dude was in a fucking bad phase of his life or whatever. And like, it could be a positive thing. So, um, yeah, that's just how I feel. Like, you know, like, uh, some of the personal tunes that you have, man, can go a long way. I thought that was about a breakup. Cool. Fucking nah, right. man. <laughs> That's it. Nah, break. No, nah, it's definitely not. It's yeah. not me, bro. That's not my personal, uh, my personal thing. Like, like I said, man. Like, I'm 43 right now. I wrote that song. I wrote that song when I was 21, and uh, it stuck with me all these years. And I'm finally, like content like where it's at like i'm so psyched to play it out now i love playing it like and just that part that jared added to added to it with the you know the, the crescendo and everything it's it's even different from the song that we recorded that's on built to crash but um i just like those tunes man like you can reflect on that you wrote you're like oh yeah yeah i know why i wrote that man i feel like for me <clears throat> that's my most important in my my most important tune that I ever did. Why are we started talking about this? I have no idea. I went on a little rant. Sorry, boys. <laughs> <laughs> that ginger ale got you hot. <laughs> that ginger ale got me. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I think we have another uh, couple of questions for uh, for Dennis. All right. Uh, you got him over there, Jared. Why don't you rattle off one of them? Yeah, you got him, man. Yeah? Yeah, because they're in my phone. I didn't write them down. You got um, this. <laughs> okay, I got one right here. So, will everyone be like being stuck inside lead to more people attending concerts? Do you feel like there's people right now that are like, I got to get out? Like, we like, you know. Well, California's still really shut down big time, right? Yeah, yeah. Like what's going on yeah. over there? Because we got a nut for a governor, that's all. <laughs> we have a governor right now that's like being like, I don't even know, like the pandemic is like the backstory and like his like, I don't know, like flirting with women and like being like forward and shit. It's coming. The fruit. Maybe yeah. like Borat 3 would come out of this. I don't even know. Uh-oh. Yeah, getting a call. Hold on. Tell that motherfucker to go away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think I think there'll be a few. I mean, there's always a few, but I think most people are going to just stay home. They get used to it, and the government has this going on so long that people are just going to get used to it, and they're going to get bored, and they're just going to want to stay home and watch concerts online and just kick back and. Door dash. <laughs> yeah. Have everything Absolutely. delivered to them. I mean, worse than 1984, the book, the movie. The movies. Everybody sit yeah. home. Everybody sit home. Oh, yeah. Let everybody. Dude, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. I want to watch that again. That's a sick book. I remember that movie. That's a good book. Yeah. Yeah. Great soundtrack. You don't think it's going to get people out and get, you know, after maybe they're stuck at home? They're, I mean, Obviously, there's too many people that are scared, but then there's other the, the people on the other side. We don't think they're going to get out and want to. I mean, you know, there's going to be some, yeah. I mean, but I just don't think it's going to be a mass. It's not going to be a mass. Everybody going back out. 
That's my opinion. Well, they're, all the venues are still shut there too, right? You guys aren't even partly open? Right. right. Even some of the biggest uh, movie theaters just went out of business. Yeah. Cinerama Dome and some oh, other, the Arc Light or something. It's just so like, that like that that dome, I feel like, dude, one of these fucking Hollywood big leagues should fucking save that, I feel like. That's like a landmark, dude. I know. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. I thought Tarantino would be all over that shit. I'm shocked that he still don't own it, you know? Yeah. That's a shame. But, you know, the pandemic fucked up a lot of people, man. Yeah. Yeah. It only benefited Demon Scar to release a great album. <laughs> <laughs> and then we recorded a whole damn thing at home, got it out, and stuck with the one song a month and did it. Yeah. Cool. We're still kind of like on that like little thing right now. You know, Meds right now, he couldn't do the interview tonight, but like, you know, he's got obviously we all have life stuff going on right now, but you know, he has a newborn that just came. You know, congratulations to him. Like mm. we've already said it then, but like, you know, we're still doing like the once a month kind of thing, um, to a certain extent. You know, we have a bunch of stuff on the horizon that's coming out right now, but um, we're doing a uh, a tribute to uh, Sam Hain that's coming out in June. We did a November fire, so that's pretty cool. And uh, we have two other songs we kind of don't know what we're going to do with right now. <laughs> well, we, we had a few that have been in it like we, that we've already done. And then we have a few that, you know, a couple songs that aren't even seen kind of demon scar, like weird stuff starting to happen. So right. those, we got to decide. Right. It's, it's you got be, new it's... tunes coming up, Dennis? Oh, yeah, I just released the EP, Question Everything, and then uh, I've got one that I just did the lyrics for, and I've got, like, four more that are, you know, half songs that I'm trying to work out and, and record. Is it on SoundCloud, Spotify? What's it on? Yeah, it's everywhere. It's everywhere? It's on all the map? Apple yeah. Apple? SoundCloud, Spotify, Bandcamp. Excellent. Yeah. Let's go to this side of anarchy.com and it's all there too. So, yeah, that's what we're doing. We're doing the uh, the SoundCloud, the Spotify, mm -hmm. uh, not SoundCloud, we're doing Spotify, we're doing Bandland, Bandcamp, Bandcamp, Bandcamp. Uh, Bandcamp. yeah, uh, Spotify. Yeah. It's on iTunes still, too. Still, the videos on YouTube as well, too. We got the No right. Escape video we did last October. We're actually playing a gig coming up, which is pretty awesome because, like, our favorite, like, hometown venue um, is starting to do gigs again inside. Like, during the summer, we did one that was, like, projected outside or whatever, but right. now they're going to bring uh, it back inside, inside or whatever. And that was, yeah, that we played inside to an empty bar, right? It's very just weird. And they projected it out. <laughs> inflatable. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. interesting. So we, you kind of hope everyone liked it. So it was just like an interesting band practice just with everyone watching. <laughs> yeah. Strange. We're doing that in uh, May 1st. We're playing a gig. So like we have that coming up. And uh, our annual Jason's Woods gig where we played uh, Lancaster, PA.
Pennsylvania, we're going to do that's in always in October, which is always fun. We uh, play at this like haunted attraction. Mm-hmm. It's in the middle of fucking nowhere, and like um, it's really cool. They have like um, crazy shit going on. Like uh, it's like a haunted hayride plus like a couple of haunted houses, and they have a stage, and you know we go there and we set up a show and we play in front of uh, a couple thousand people a night so that's pretty cool we do that um and a few out of state show offers possibly we're looking to solidify too right yeah we're in this like little cool group called uh horror punks usa mm-hmm. we, uh they reviewed our uh tune that this came out called the wraith um and they just offers uh, offered us a gig back uh in july Mm-hmm. We're uh, just waiting for the uh, confirmation from the headliner because they got something going on. It's pretty cool, so we're gonna uh, do that. And yeah, it was. We del- also have this other thing that's very top secret right now, but it could be very cool with uh, a guitarist from a very um, big time um, rock band that was around uh, that's been around for a while. So uh, we're in the uh, beginning stages of that. So we're going to do a, a sick collaboration. I feel like uh, that's going to, uh, you know, just always benefit bringing up the name of Demon Scar, like, which is okay. our ultimate goal, man. I mean, we so were just many people to hear Demon Scar. Yeah, local radio recently, shows down south, a few offers. It was a Virginia, Delaware, Maryland, I think we've had a yep. few. Oh. Absolutely. It's, it's like it's starting Hopefully, to uh, when uh, LA opens up, man, we want to come there because, like, we'd love yeah. to uh, come out west and do that. I have a friend out in Vegas that wants to put on a show, so like, we have like the office out there, so uh, we'll, yeah. uh, you know, spread, spread it out there so people can see us. Definitely, that'd be cool. Yeah, man. <sighs> All right, let's end it on a happy note. What kind of humor do you guys like? Laurel and Hardy, Marx Brothers, George Carlin, what kind of? Dick jokes. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love dick jokes, too. I mean, I, I would do anything that George Carlin back right now. That would be right. fucking terrific. Holy shit. Yeah. Well, George bull- Carlin right now would be fucking amazing. I'd trade everyone today for him. There's a... I saw George Collin uh, at Westbury Music Fair by me, and uh, I was probably like third row, and he was like maybe 15 feet away from me, and like when he was doing his shtick, like, I feel like he was like looking out to the crowd, I feel like one part he was like looking right at me, like, it was something to be seen, man, like, there's just nobody, I feel like, on a level of George Collin. And even now with the cancel society, like I feel it's very hard to be a, a uh, comedian. Like, oh yeah, everything. Yeah. People everything. are canceling left and right. Oh yeah. But Bill Burr, like he's got it, man. I feel like that dude is fucking funny as fuck, and like he don't give a shit, dude. Like he'll just like put it out there, and people might say like he's racist or whatever, but he's married to a black woman, so like. Who the fuck are you to call this dude right. racist, man? Like, right. this dude, like, is fine. Like, you know, leave him alone. Comedy's supposed to push the limits and make you fucking laugh. Yep. Dan Kinnison, man, like, Dice Clay. Like, growing yeah. up with that yeah. stuff, I feel like I'm immune to fucking 
everything. <laughs> Bulletproof. Yeah. Just like George Cohen said, like, you know, he, growing up, we swam in the East River in New York mm-hmm. where fucking everything's contaminated. We swam in our... We have yeah. strong immune systems. Yeah. Generation P, that's what we're in right now. Generation Pussy. They have to fucking oh, yeah. grow the fuck up, not be so fucking confrontational, and not, like, take offense to everything because, like, it's ruining everything, man. We don't give a fuck. Demon Scar don't give a fuck like what you do, man. Like we don't care if you're fucking gay. We don't care if you're straight. We don't care if you're fucking trans. We don't care if you're fucking white. We don't care if you're black or yellow or whatever the fuck you want to be. When you come and see us, just rock out for those forty five right. minutes and be cool and we're good. Like right. that's what I feel like that should be the whole Right, demographic like uh, the whole message going around or whatever. I know, but but the, don't care about that stuff. Man, the, you know, the problem I see though is if you're if you're not going out and rooting for them and promoting them, that's they even hate you for not promoting them. You're like, well, it's not it's not my job to like go promote your whatever your deal is. It's like. You can be whatever you want to be, but I mean, why are you trying to make me? Oh, he, even some other politicians and actors. What well, you didn't say this, you didn't say that, you didn't. Well, what do you mean I didn't say something? If I didn't say anything, I didn't want to say anything. Right. <laughs> you get you, you know. You, you get they get pissed off because you didn't say something. I'm like, they you get they get pissed off if you say the wrong thing, and you get pissed off if you don't say anything at all, and then you're like, what the hell's going on with the society? That's a big thing. I think like a lot of people that like aren't into like the punk and metal scene didn't realize that, you know, even they, they just hear rah, 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 right? But they don't realize that, you know, unity, things like that, you know, togetherness, all that. That's a big punk thing. Equality, all that. That's all there. They just hear the rah, 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 you know, everything is everything, you know, daddy right. issues, you know what I mean? And it's not, you know what I mean? It's supposed to be about coming together. Everything, you know, the, the black boy, whatever it is, everyone should be together. You know, music something I think can bring massive people together. I've seen it. You know what I mean? And Absolutely. Yeah. The, you know, you have a few th- even if it's a small club with a hundred people or ten thousand people, everyone together, everyone down, enjoying mm-hmm. music, whether you're bobbing the head, tapping the foot, you know, crying, hugging, dancing, whatever. That's like the, the that's universal. And that music's universal. You know, that's what it should be. Definitely. I agree. We should all come together, man, and just have one kick-ass show, and not one, but you know, many. Right. <laughs> Can't we all just get along? Any of that. <laughs> great book. It was great, guys, man. Love it. Thanks. Thanks for having us on, man. Yeah, man. Thank you. All right, man. It was just appreciate it. Nice, brother. Yeah. It was safe. Yeah, definitely check out. Um, you know, check out Demon Scar. We're, uh, we're on Twitter, Demon Scar NYC, uh, Demon Scar NYC, mm-hmm. and we're also on Instagram, uh, Demon Scar Band. Um, I'm sure if you just Google us, you'll find us. You know? Yeah, with Demon Scar NYC, you'll find everything. DemonScar.com. We have a bunch of merch. We have new shit coming out too, like. Always check on demonscar.com because I feel like that links 
to our band camp and yeah. our, with new releases and also our new merch stuff yeah. that uh, we have coming out. So, uh, Dennis, what about you, man? You got some plugs going on, too. What you got? Oh, yeah. This side of anarchy.com. I think every band should have a website because there's too many social media things going on. You got to have one place where they can find them all instead of trying to name, trying to name them all. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely, man. That's yeah. awesome that you brought us on here, man. Thank you. Oh, if I could just plug two things I'm wearing right now. Um, Godzilla vs. Kong, but with, like, the Gorilla Biscuits uh, album cover. <laughs> That's London 1888. And this fine creep show hat can be found at com. I wear fright rags and I wear London 1888 daily. They dress me, they dress my family. So check them out. They're my boys. And uh, if you want to look as cool as the Nizza, I suggest you do it. <laughs> I got Speed Racer. Do you remember Speed Racer? Hell yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Go, man. Speed Racer, go. Absolutely. <laughs> Except the movie. It's kind of weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I got all the TV, all the, the cartoons uh, on. Shit I love it. Oh yeah, I got the cartoons on DVD. I got the whole <laughs> every episode. Jared, you want to plug anything? Yeah, so you already did all the Demon Scar stuff, man. That's, that's what we got going on. That's where all my energy is right now. Getting all the Demon Scar stuff going, man. Yeah, that was a test to make sure he's my brother. So that's a good answer. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I wish I had something else cool to say. I know. Me and him was supposed to go see uh, La Bomber in the movies, but like we only got like last minute notice. But yeah. like uh, that came out, uh, they re releasing that movie in the next uh, two days. So Richie, Richie, <laughs> that's one of our favorite movies of all time. We always joke about that, but it's not a joke. It's real life. We <laughs> love, we love La Bamba. Yeah. All right. I'm going to stop recording now, so... I mean, thanks, guys. Thanks for being on. I should have uh, stopped recording about five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs>